Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com, joined, as always, by my co-host, Dalvin Asario. Dalvin, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Joe. Doing good. No complaints. We are, what, nine Sundays away from kicking this thing off, so I'm really excited. Yeah, it is wild how quick the offseason goes by at this point. I mean, the Jets are a little less than three weeks out now from opening up training camp. I believe the first day is July 27th, and... You know, the, even though it was not the most eventful offseason for our Jets, it still moved by quickly, as it always does in the NFL. Uh, for today's podcast, or tonight's podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to take the first half of the podcast, uh, talk a little bit about Jamal Adams and Marcus May, the top two draft picks of the Jets this year. They went back-to-back safeties. We're going to talk about what their roles are going to be on the defense this year, how they're going to play off each other, and what are fair expectations for those two both in the short and the long term. Obviously, with Adams, the Jets spent a top 10 pick on him, so expectations are are going to be through the ceiling for him. And with May, it was surprising to a lot of people to see the Jets go back-to-back safety, usually not a a move you see from a lot of teams. So we're going to talk through our expectations for those two guys. Then uh, we're going to wrap by sort of spreading out to look at the entire defense and some of the projected personnel groups we think the Jets are going to Use throughout the year what their you know what their base uh, formations are going to be, uh, both on the defensive side of the ball and on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, before we dive into all that, of course, I have to remind you guys this podcast is brought to you by Prime Sport, official sponsor and team partner of the New York Jets. Make sure to check out PrimeSport.com backslash Turn on the Jets for more information on how they're going to be pairing up and working with the team throughout 2017 both on away games and at home games. Again, that's Prime Sport, official partner of the New York Jets. Check out more at primesport.com backslash turn on the Jets. All right, so let's start with Adams in May. I I don't think, you know, we don't have to get too deep into the draft stuff here. I don't think anybody was surprised Mm -hmm. that when Adams was on the board at six, the Jets took him. I think it was kind of assumed and reported in a few places that he was really the top guy on their board outside of maybe Miles Garrett. So when he was there at six, it was not surprising to take him. Maybe a little more surprising to see them double down on the safety position by taking Marcus May out of Florida. I don't think there's any doubt that these two guys are going to be day one starters, and I think what's appealing about these guys is that they're versatile. Uh, They can bounce between free safety, strong safety, the slot, uh, can move around the formation, maybe even play outside linebacker in certain formations. That's particularly the case with Adams. Adams is a guy who played over 250 snaps in the slot last year. Played over 40% of his snaps at free safety uh, and has moved around a lot and has that top, top end athleticism where, you know, he has, he's almost closer to being a cornerback than a linebacker. So I do think, you know, characterizing him as, you know, strictly a box safety or just being in that box safety format probably is not accurate and undersells his game a little bit because he does have good enough footwork to track well in the in the passing game. So he has the ability, obviously, you know, to track the ball carrier and tackle well, but also has shown the athleticism to work from the slot, to work from the free safety role. And that those are the skills that I think, you know, the Jets are really banking on. You don't spend a top ten pick on a safety under the hope that he's gonna be a good starter. The Jets the Jets didn't want to draft Tony Jefferson with the top 10 picks. So if, so if Adams is a good starter, it turns into a Tony Jefferson type player, that's probably a bit of a disappointment. You know, you drafted Adams to really be a, 
a transfer transformational player on that defense and be a superstar, a guy who's a, a regular Pro Bowl in discussion to be an All-Pro player. And you can really only do that from the safety position if you can move around and have that versatility and can make the same impact uh, in the passing game that you can make in the running game. So, you know, with Adams, the player comparison I've thrown to him a lot is Landon Collins, maybe more of an athletic version of Collins. And, you know, people, some, some people have kind of, you know, thought that was maybe not high enough of a compliment or sort of downplaying <laughs> Adams' game. And, I, you know, I think they forget the Landon Collins of last year received, I think, 10 or 12 votes for Defensive Player mm-hmm. of the Year and, you know, was arguably uh, the best safety in the NFL from start to finish. So, you know, I think if Adams could be the Jets' version of him, and again, Collins had some growing pains in year one, but obviously has evolved into one of the best young defensive players in the NFL. So, you know, Adams is a little smaller than Collins, but also probably a little more athletic. So I, I think that that's the hope. You know, can Jamal Adams be the Jets version of Landon Collins? Can he maybe be an improved version of a guy like Eric Weddles, another guy he's compared to a lot when he came out? And if everything breaks right, can he become that Rod Woodson-type transformational safety on the back end of the defense for the next, you know, eight to ten years. I don't know. I think you got to start slow. But what what player comparisons did you do you see to Adams coming out, and what are you expecting from him from his rookie year? Well, I mean, I I had I had Collins as my the, the number one player on my Adams, sorry, as the number one player on my board. I thought that he was the best player in this draft class. I thought that his versatility met, meshed well with what's happening in the NFL right now. It's kind of similar to basketball, where you can't win without a point guard. I don't think you can win without a true safety in the middle of the field that can cover the middle of the field and that can also come up and run support. One of the more underrated parts of Earl Thomas's game is the is his ability to tackle. I know that a lot of people focus on the coverage ability and the interceptions, but Earl Thomas. If he squares you up, you're not getting by him. Another safety that's like that is Eric Berry from Kansas City. And Eric Berry and Earl Thomas are two of the most transformational safeties, to use the word that you used, in the NFL. They change, they change games. It's just what they do. I think Adams, and I tweeted this a lot, like kind of leading up to it, and then it frustrated me to see it after. I said he's not a box safety. He's not a box safety. He's not a box safety. Even at LSU, if you watch enough games, he played the the he played in the slot. And he played the cover one more than he played in the box. That's kind of just what he did. And so I think what frustrates me the most when I hear people scoff at the Landon Collins comparison, for example, is that you're right. Landon Collins was arguably the best safety in football, and Landon Collins. More than Alavir Vernon, more than JPP being healthy, more than them adding Damon Harrison, more than them adding uh, Janoris Jenkins. The emergence of Landon Collins is what turned that Giants defense into a Super Bowl caliber defense because they were getting beat like drums in the in the back half of the in the back half of the of the secondary, and that's what you hope Jamal Adams stops. The thing with him that you're that a lot of people are also scoffing at is, oh my God, people are considering him a leader. Our own Edward Gorlick said that he kind of went on a rant about like, look, you know, I hate that this is going to be a thing that they beat into the ground. For me. And this is and this is my my take on leadership. Guys like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matt Ryan, Drew Brees, those kind of guys, you never have to hear about how good how good a leader they are because they win. And when you win, winning is kind of its own kind of medicine for leadership. Like if you win, people will follow you more. And Jamal Adams has won. Like that's what he's done at, at LSU. They they've won games. They've won a lot of ball games. Similar to Marcus May at Florida, they've won ball games. They don't lose. And so, I think for me, it's frustrating because I think Adams he. I think he has the potential to be an Eric Berry-like safety. I think you stick him back there. You let him break up passes. You bring him up and run for you. play him all over the field because 
to allude to your point, when we get to Marcus May, you've added a guy in the secondary that's going to be able to do a lot of the same things that he does too. So I think the Jets have done a really good job in this offseason in particular and over the last two of just infusing this team with with athletes, right? So Deron Lee is an athlete. Jamal Adams is an athlete, but he's also a really good football player. And you're right. If he ends up being Tony Jefferson, I think I think that's really disappointing because you did not take him at, at six to, to have him turn into Tony Jefferson. You took him so he could be Ed Reed, Earl Thomas, Eric Berry, and he needs to be that in order to justify the selection. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think anybody's expecting Adams to be that guy's rookie year. I think what you want to see from Adams' rookie year is you want to see him be fundamentally sound. You want to see him properly right. directing things in the back end of the defense. I think you want to see the playmaking come on as the season progresses. I don't know if you're going to see a ton of it at a high volume out of the gate, but as the season progresses, you want to see more of those head-turning wow moments where you're like, you could see just how special he is shining through. And I think part of the reason the Jets went May in the second round, not something I was necessarily crazy about at the time, and I'm still not fully sold on yet, is that I think they wanted to do everything in their power to protect their investment on Adams. And I think they thought putting another you know, very talented young safety next to Adams immediately and to grow with long-term was the best way to help ensure his success. You didn't want to have a Calvin Pryor or Marcus Gilchrist running around next to him making his job that much harder. And with May, I think he is versatile, obviously not at the same level that Adams is. He is much better, I think, as he gets a little closer to the ball. And I do think if you hang May out to dry against certain types of vertical receivers down the field, he will struggle a little bit. But it's on the Jets you know, to coach around that and not regularly put him in that situation. And being a day one starter, when you're the sixth overall pick is one thing. Being a day one starter as a second round pick is a little bit more of an uphill climb, but May should be that. And I do think that the Jets are going to look at those guys as interchangeable uh, between free safety, be- between free safety, between strong safety, occasionally moving them into the slot or outside linebacker role in certain situations. So it's going to be interesting to see week to week who is playing what roles against what teams. You know, it definitely will be a bit more of an uphill climb for May. But if he could regularly be coming downhill, uh, be the sound tackler he was at Florida, and show some of the range he did, uh, you know, as a ball hawking safety at times, it's not something you're all, you're not going to want him to be the deep one high safety and cover three frequently. But in the right coverage schemes, he does have the ability to track the ball well and hold up well in coverage. So. You know, finding a guy to compare him to is a little bit more of a challenge. I've seen him compared to Glover Quinn at times, which is a good, not a bad thing to be compared to a guy who's been in the mm-hmm. league a long time and has made a couple of Pro Bowls. I, I was watching him. He reminded me a little bit of Eric Coleman, uh, an ex-Jet from way back in the day who had some really nice years for, uh, I believe it was the Mangini teams, uh, was mm-hmm. the exact years he was on. I'm trying <laughs> to remember the year he was drafted. I'm, I'm aging myself here, but, uh, you know, watching his game sort of, uh, reminded me uh, of Coleman a bit. He actually might have been pre-Mangini now that I'm thinking about it. But still, uh, those were two guys that uh, kind of jumped off to me. You know, what, who do you see May having a game that resembles and What do you expect from him compared to Adams or next to Adams? Oh, I mean, Glover Quinn is actually a really good comparison. And again, you know, it's, it's interesting because when you had tweeted this out when they first drafted, we were like, what? That's crazy. How could he be Glover Quinn? And it's like, I mean, Glover Quinn has turned him into a, Pretty good safety in this league. Um, I think one of the things that I liked about May was that 
I mean, he's got the size, right? Like, he's a big dude, and he brings the lumber. So you want, like, you don't want a guy that's going to miss tackles like Calvin Pryor did because May is more technically sound than Pryor, and you don't see him miss many tackles. Um, You also see him, he's able to follow a quarterback's eyes, which is important for young safeties. I think that it's very easy for young safeties to be caught staring into the backfield because they take their eyes off of the quarterback, right? And then that's, in turn, how they get beat over the top. You didn't see that a lot with May. I think... A lot of people are going to say that he's an inconsistent ball tracker, but I think that's something that he's going to get better at. And one of the things, there's two things that I think this, well, three things, sorry, that I think this Jets um, coaching staff has done pretty well, right? I think they've developed wide receivers well. I think they've developed the offensive line well. And I think that they've done a pretty decent job in the in the defensive back in the secondary, right? Like Justin Burris played pretty well last year. Marcus Williams had his career year under Todd Bowles. I think you saw Buster Screen kind of take a next level. His first year, Revis was able to rediscover the fountain of youth because Bowles was able to get to him. So I think I think that they'll be able to work with the Jets, with, with May in particular, on becoming a much better ball tracker. He gets an early jump on plays. He has really good play recognition, and you want to see that with him. I think a lot of people are going to look at him and think, well, he's the guy that's meant to clean up the, the clean up these sweeps or clean up the tosses or whatever the case may be. And I honestly don't think that's going to be the only way the Jets use him. I think you're going to see Bowles use him as a blitzer. I think you're going to see those three safety looks that Bowles has wanted to use his entire time here, that he did use his first season and that he used in Arizona. You're going to see that here. I think now with those two, with Miles, Adams, and and May, I think you now have the opportunity to do that where you rotate guys that can do a lot of the same things. Obviously, Adams does it better than May and Miles, but you want that kind of versatility. Um, I think Clover Quinn is a, is a nice, I think a nice prediction. If you really want to go to the extreme of like, oh, let's put him in Canton now, you could say Darren Woodson. Um, but the thing is, I don't think, I don't think he right now makes the impact plays that Woodson did early on in his career. But maybe. I mean, you, you, we don't know until the games kick off. Maybe he's lights out from jump. Darren Woodson would be the player that I think you could see like as the farthest extreme in terms of like if everything goes right, he could be Darren Woodson. Like, but I, Clover Quinn is not a bad comparison at all. Yeah, look, and if Todd Bowles wants to make a, a strong claim to keep his job for 2018, one way to do that is to find the best way possible to utilize your first and second round safety. And if those guys are thriving in Todd Bowles' defense and he's using them in creative ways, uh, it makes it that much harder uh, to let go of Bowles because the Jets just invested two premium assets uh, on spending a pick on these guys. And Bowles' MO is supposed to be how creative he is on defense and how he gets creative using people in the secondary, particularly at the safety position. So these really should be two dream picks for him. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, can he get the most out of these guys? And again, they're coming into a challenging situation. You know, they don't have great cornerbacks in front of them. They don't have a great pass rush, particularly from the outside linebacker position in front of them. So they're going to be cleaning up other people's mistakes on top of doing their own job. So, you know, I think we got to temper expectations out of the gate. There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be errors. But what you want to see is incremental progress throughout the year. You want to see communication and not the breakdowns that we had last year where you're getting gashed for big plays over and over again. Keep everything in front of you. Start making more plays as the year, uh, the season goes on. Adams should really be taking a leadership role immediately on that defense. That's what the Jets took him for. And I think that's what you got to hope for. And then obviously long-term, you know, you know, let's not beat around the bush. I mean, the long-term expectation is that Jamal Adams is going to be an all-pro caliber player here. And if he's not, it's a disappointment with the sixth overall pick uh, and how he was touted coming out of college. With May, you're hoping he becomes a competent starter, a guy who can get a second contract from you and be Adams' long-term running mate. Now, that, you know, that's down the road. You want him to just so promise as a rookie. 
you know, but that is the hope for these guys at the position. Now, before we wrap, elsewhere around the defense, you know, we're talking about the different ways that Adams and May are going to be used. And, you know, how do the Jets use their personnel this year, knowing their shortcomings? Do we see more of a base 3-4? Do we see Todd Bowles stick with his normal base defense, which is a nickel, where he puts three corners out there and only has three linebackers? Or do the Jets revert more to using a 4-2-5 because they're, they really want to get Sheldon Richardson out there? They go out with you know, a formation that allows them to put Williams, Wilkerson, and Richardson on the field together, along with Steve McClendon and Deion Simon. They go out with the two, two linebackers, whether that's Darren Lee and Demario Davis, Darren Lee and Bruce Carter, Darren Lee and Jordan Jenkins, and then the five guys in the secondary. I would tend to think that Bowles will stay with a base nickel personnel, which basically most likely puts Morris Claiborne and Justin Burris on the outside, Buster Screen in the slot, May and Adams at safety, uh, and then probably Darren Lee, Demario Davis, at least to start, unless Spencer Pacinger or Bruce Carter beats him out, not out of the question, uh, and then Jordan Jenkins or Lorenzo Malden uh, as the third linebacker, and then the three defensive linemen on front, uh, up front rotating through. I mean, w- what are you expecting to see mostly from Bowles this year based on the Jets' strength at defensive line but potential shortcomings at linebacker? So, I mean, one of the things that I've talked about a lot is that I would use more uh, more three three five look. I think that, one, what that does is it lets you use the Jets' strength, like you mentioned, which is the defensive line. I would not be against playing Wilkerson, Richardson, and Williams together with their hand on the dirt. I think that you can put Wilkerson at the zero and you'd be fine. I don't think you'd lose anything. I know a lot of people are like, oh, my God, that would be so dramatic. And no, it really wouldn't because I think Wilkerson's game, out of all three of them, Wilkerson's game lends itself much more to to a more of a pure nose tackle and you'd get much more pass rush from the nose tackle, quote unquote, position and the zero tech than you would if you put McClendon or Simon there because Wilkerson's a better pass rusher. Then that allows you to keep Richardson and Williams on on the outside and what that does is when you say you play the 3-3-5, but if you really want to go with the 3-3-5, but bring the two linebackers, say you're running out there, Donahue and Malden as the two outside linebackers, you want to bring them down and go with five defensive linemen, one linebacker and five corners. Then suddenly you're that like you're a team that's now trying to create that pressure from the outside. So the quarterback has to step up into Wilkerson, Richardson, and Williams. It's very, very hard to beat that. And you put Lee as the sole middle linebacker, and you know, you hope that he can hold up long enough for the pass rush to get there. That's what I would do. I think that the Jets need to stop being cute. I think one of the issues, and I'm and I'm finishing up an article now, it's six things that I need Todd Bowles needs to improve upon. Spoiler alert, one of them is he needs to stop being cute with his defensive personnel. I think that the Jets in the first year. You saw a lot of very different personnel. You saw them put the three guys the three guys on the defensive line. You saw them go with two linebackers and five DBs. You saw them go with one linebacker and six DBs. That's how you got Buster Screen teeing off on Ryan Tannehill for three straight plays in London. That's how you got that because ultimately you couldn't tell where the pressure was coming from. Last year and then and then and the year before, they just I mean, well last year what you saw from the Jets is a lot of a lot of predictability. What you saw year one, you did not see year two in terms of the personnel grouping. Using a three three five gives you that kind of unpredictability because you don't know where the rush is going to come from. It also allows you to deal with the up with the with the no huddle up tempo that the that the NFL offenses are running now because you've already got enough cornerbacks on the field already. 
And the hope again, and this speaks to the versatility of May and Adams and obviously Miles, is that your secondary, the, the guys in your secondary can tackle. So you don't have to worry about, oh, well, the big boys are going to push us off because you're going to bring linebackers down in order to engage the offensive line. So then your linebacker and your DBs, who should be short tacklers, should be able to clean up the run game. I think that the, the biggest thing for the the Jets, and you, you touched on something really interesting, Joe. You said that in order for Bowles to be able to sell himself to Woody and to McCagney at the end of the season, you have to get something from your two top from your top two picks. I think he also needs to show an, 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 a willingness to adjust. One of my biggest knocks against Todd Bowles when he was hired, he came in and he said, oh, I'm not switching to a 4-3. I'm going to run a 3-4, and that's it. I'm going to run my offense. That's very Rex Ryan-like to me. I think at some point, as a head coach, you need to adjust. Look at, look at Bill Belichick. Look no further than that. Devin McCourty couldn't cut it as a corner, so what did he do? He turned him into a safety. He said, you know what? I'm not going to have you getting beat on an island. I'm going to have you play this deep, and you're going to be my cover one safety. Rob Ninkovich struggled as a linebacker. He moved him down and had him play with his hand in the dirt as an edge rusher. That's what you do. Um, Jamie, Jamie, not, yeah, Jamie Collins didn't fit into the scheme, so what did he do? He sent him to Cleveland, the football version of Siberia. That's essentially what good coaches do. You have to be able to adjust. You have to be able to say, you know what? It's not about my scheme. It's about my players. And how am I going to use my players to better fit my scheme, not the other way around? Exactly, and I think that was one of the things that you know we were initially excited about with Bowles, how he was going to be different from Rex, that he wasn't going to try to put the uh, you know square peg into a round hole in it. Right. You know, we we've seen him struggle with that with Sheldon Richardson, and you know we got to hope that again, if he's going to keep his job here, he's got to find ways to get creative because the, this defense has some glaring shortcomings in it. So going out and running a base three four, where you have theoretically Demario Davis out there, but Sheldon Richardson mm-hmm. is sitting on the bench, and you know you're exposing your weaknesses at corners. A corner could be problematic. You know, can Bowles get creative with some three safety looks that maybe gets a guy like Rontez Miles out in the field a little more? How does he find a way to use Sheldon Richardson that's not Sheldon Richardson at outside linebacker? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, how does he, again, find a way to ease a transition for these safeties? So I think the Jets got to be, you know, a high variance defense who are mixing and matching a lot between 4 3, 3 4, nickel packages, sub packages, 3 3 5, 4 2 5. They're going to throw as many different creative looks as they can out there uh, to take advantage of where they have strength, which, again, remains the defensive line. Uh, potentially, it's safety if Adams and May come along uh, as we talked about them and hide some of the weaknesses because right now the Jets are very weak and unproven at linebacker. Maybe not You know, if you want to you know, push back and say, well, they're just unproven. Sure, they're completely unproven because right now they don't have anybody who's proven he could be a competent NFL starter yet. It hasn't happened for Darren Lee yet. It hasn't happened for Demario Davis. We like the potential of Jordan Jenkins, but he hasn't done it for 16 games yet. And the same goes for Lorenzo Malden, and there's not much depth behind those guys. So I think you're going to see a lot of mixing and matching at the linebacker position. I think everyone who makes that 53 is going to be rotated through in different packages from guys like Dylan Donahue, if he sticks, uh, to Bruce Carter, to Pazinger, to a guy like Coy Lemonier, if he sticks. I, I think everyone is going to be getting used and getting rolled through. And it could be the same thing at the cornerback position because, again, Morris Claiborne averages seven games a year. So you're probably going to see some Daryl Roberts. You're probably going to see maybe even uh, some Clark or uh, Jones who were drafted in the late rounds as we get later in the season. So uh, I think it's going to be a lot of competition and a lot of mixing and matching on defense. But, again, you hope through all of that, as we you know started off with, that 
Adams and May could find a way to be consistent factors. And, you know, one of the ways that this season is considered a success, because this is a rebuilding situation, is if you leave this season and say Adams and May both looked really good and it looked like it was the right decision to use the picks that we did on those guys and they are sending and heading in the right direction. That's one way to have a positive spin uh, leaving this season. All right. Before we wrap, want to remind you guys to follow Dalbin on Twitter at DA underscore Sario. Make sure to also subscribe to Draft Season. They had a new episode last week. We'll have another one uh, from Jeff and uh, Dalbin this week. Also make sure to subscribe to Play Like a Jet and follow Play Like a Jet 1 on Twitter. Uh, our man Scott Mason has been working through some great interviews with different Jets from Adrian Morell uh, to Rob Carpenter, and we'll have a few new ones on the way. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at jcaparoso and to check out new articles at turnonthejets.com. Dalbin, any final words? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're nine, nine weekends away, essentially, from kicking this thing off. I'm really excited. I think that a lot of Jet fans um, should really be excited about this season because I think you're going to see a lot of young guys get a lot of reps. Um, and honestly, this is, this is the season where you find out who's going to be the nucleus going forward, either for Todd Bowles or for whoever the next head coach is. But I think it's still going to be Todd Bowles. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, but it's an exciting season. I'm ready to kick this thing off, though, for sure. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. We're inching closer to 100. Got to get to those triple digits. Also, make sure to check out our store at The Loyalist. We have a 20% sale all week, 20% off all gear including our newest shirt about backup quarterbacks and Jets fans. You can go check it out at theloyalist.com backslash turn the Jets. Use the coupon code JULYJETS20 for 20% off all our gear. The tank shirt, the Inuwa Powell shirt, the Hackenberg shirt, any shirt you could think of, go out there. At least we're not Buffalo. At least we're not (laughs) Buffalo, of course. Uh, Thank you again, everyone. We'll be back next week.